And if you have your copy of the scriptures, I invite you to turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm just reading the end uh, from the end of chapter 3 into the beginning of chapter 4. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. If you, um, if you do have your Bibles, I encourage you to bring them with you each Sunday. It's great to be able to, uh, to read through that together. And uh, just to, to know that you have one is a good thing. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, let us know. We'll be happy to, uh, to help you to get one. It's so important that each person has, um, has their own copy of the Bible to read each and every day, not just on Sunday mornings, but um, each and every day as our, our guide for life. And um, I'll, uh, let me read for you in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning verse 14. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men, uh, sorry, the, the time will come when men will not put up with sound instruction or sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly God, I just thank you and praise you for the precious gift of your word. And we pray, God, as we uh, talk about it and learn about it here this morning, that your Holy Spirit just guide our hearts. Teach us, God, more of you and help us, God, to understand you more greatly. God, move in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Be glorified, God, through all that's done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we are in uh, a series now just called What We Believe, in which we're talking about what we believe as a church uh, and as a, a Christian church, as a Baptist church, uh, some of our, our firm and core beliefs. And uh, over the last three weeks, we've been talking about uh, the Trinity, God our Father, Jesus Christ our Savior, and last week, the Holy Spirit our Comforter. And this week, we're talking about the Bible, God's Holy Word. And uh, we've got four more parts of, of the series, and so you'll want to, uh, to come each week and kind of learn a bit more about uh, what we believe or even catch up on part of the series if you've, if you've missed any of that. It's so important as a church that we, uh, we know what we believe and uh, we're able to explain that and, and live that out in our community. And so we're just going to begin a little bit about uh, the Bible. Now, I can't go into all the facts that I know about the Bible or all the things I love about the Bible. Um, someone said over the last, people have said over the last few weeks that um, I've been more passionate, I guess, in the preaching. And I said, well, it's hard to not get passionate when you're talking about 
God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, when you're talking about the, the Trinity and all that God does for us and who God is and how much He loves us and His grace for us, it's an amazing thing. And it's, it's hard not to get passionate when you talk about uh, the Bible because it's such an important part of our life and our work as, as a, the church. It's so much more than just a book. But I'm going to try to limit myself a little bit and just stick with some of the facts. Um, I, I looked at my, uh, my library uh, this week, and I've got... I think there's 27 books there that are just about what the Bible is all about and some of the, the history of the Bible and the formation of the Bible, all that kind of stuff. So I won't rattle off all the facts from all those 27 books or anything like that. I'm happy to loan some out to you if you would uh, uh, like some more detail. But we are going to talk some about, um, about what, uh, what does the Bible look like for us today uh, and uh, why that is important for us as a church. So we're going to start uh, to talk about uh, the, the Bible is, uh, who is the author and uh, how are these words collected together? And uh, we believe firmly that the Bible is, um, is written by God himself. And why it's so important from, uh, for us as a church is not just written by men who love God or uh, men who wanted to honor God, but uh, the word of God is actually the words of God uh, written by God himself uh, through the hands of men. The Bible says, uh, it was God breathed and breathed through the hands of the prophets, of the apostles, of the different writers, uh, but is the, uh, is the very word of God. And so it's a word, uh, not just uh, as words on a page, uh, but breathed by God in the very words of God, a, a word of authority from God himself. Uh, Jesus himself declares that he is uh, the word made flesh. He is, uh, as uh, the scriptures or God's way of revealing himself uh, to man, and he writes out how to do that. Jesus himself was the fulfillment of that and was the Word made flesh. He lived out and, and fulfilled uh, God's teachings in, uh, in fleshly form and uh, was, was God's uh, teaching in that way. Um, I want to say that not just the mere themes in the Bible or the different stories and stuff in the Bible are inspired by God, uh, but I think every word was, uh, was chosen by God. Uh, it is written in uh, its entirety by our Lord himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says this. He said, this, this is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. We believe the, the Bible uh, in its entirety is, uh, is written by our Lord God. But not only that, we want to explain that there, there are two, uh, if you know anything about the Bible, you say, all right, there's, a, there's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. There's two Testaments. And some people have a little misunderstanding of what all that means because the word testament in, in the English language tends to mean like a last will and testament. So you're kind of giving up your, uh, your property or uh, your house and, and, uh, and cars and whatever that might be. But the Greek and the Hebrew word testament, which is what this is taken from in the New Testament and Old Testament, uh, is the word covenant or treaty. And the Old Testament is all about uh, the old covenant, which, uh, which God made with, uh, with Moses and with Abraham and David, uh, a promise to, uh, to bless those who, um, who bless him and to, to curse those who, who work against his people, that he will always be faithful to his people. He will always honor them. He will always protect them. Uh, as long as they, 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 just, they keep faithful to him. And in fact, he honored that so much throughout the Old Testament that over and over, if you'll read through the Old Testament, you will see how 
the people of God were not faithful to God. They didn't honor their end of the, the, the bargain. But God always honored His, and He was always faithful to His people. And as soon as they turned back to Him, He just kept leading them back uh, to prosperity and, and, and in grace and, uh, and kept being true to His Word. And so the Old Testament is really the Old Covenant. is all about God's promise to be faithful and forever true uh, to His people. He will be God. Uh, whether people are going to be faithful to Him or not, uh, He will do what He says He's going to do. And he's so faithful to his promises. The new covenant is all about Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of that old covenant. Uh, he is uh, our, our living, our, our salvation. He brought to us uh, the hope, and we've experienced the communion here this morning. He brought to us uh, life and freedom uh, that, that people were just longing for as they knew the Old Testament. They knew that their Savior was going to come. They knew that the Messiah would someday come to make all things right and to bring us into fellowship with God. And Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that. The Word made flesh. And He said Himself, as we talked about it with communion, He said, this, new co- this is a new covenant which is made, being made by my blood. I am bringing a new covenant to you that any who believe in me and put their faith in me will no longer experience death or condemnation but can have life. It's a New Testament. And so the, the New Covenant, the New Testament, is all about Jesus and, and the work of the early church and uh, personal testimonies of uh, the work of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may have heard the Bible referred to as, as the canon, which is... Uh, now, canon... Now, Wes, this is not referring to your favorite brand of cameras or anything. Uh, the canon is... Uh, the canon is meant to be... Uh, or oh, the original, it was a rod which had carved lines and it was meant for, uh, for measuring things. And they use this word to, uh, to organize the scriptures into the 66 books uh, which they're written here into this one book. And uh, they did this through kind of painscraping the process. Uh, the Old Testaments uh, were, uh, were accepted as the Jewish scriptures. And these were scriptures that Jesus himself said uh, had authority and were to be recognized in scriptures and so they were automatically kind of included in the canon uh, the new testament uh, was were stories of of eyewitness accounts of people who who knew jesus or has seen his miracles and have written down what he's done now it's important to recognize that there there are no original copies of the bible now you're, you're not going to go and uh and buy uh an original copy somewhere you're not going to see an original copy uh an original in the uh, uh museums anywhere all we have are, are copies of copies. And so uh, it's important to recognize that. And so some people will say, critics may say, well, how do you even know uh, that, that this is true? But the oral tradition, to the, the Old Testament was simply oral tradition. There wasn't a written tradition in much of the Old Testament. These stories were passed down uh, through family lines. Uh, and they were passed down uh, securely because they thought these stories are so great and needed to be maintained. The New Testament was, were stories of, of eyewitness accounts of, of Christ's work and, and the work of the early church. Uh, they were written down oftentimes by people who experienced them or, or did them themselves. And the actual process, so about the 4th century, so uh, just a few hundred years after Christ's resurrection, they had formed uh, by the 4th century these 66 books and said, no, these are, these are ones uh, that, are, that are faithful and true to who God is uh, in His covenant and his promises, and who Jesus is, who the formation of the church, uh, the early church were, and these are uh, the scriptures which are holy and recognized uh, by our church. Now, until the printing press, these copies 
of the Bible that have been passed down through the years uh, were written by different scribes. And so rather than just handing you a Bible, now I can go out today and purchase a copy of a Bible for you and just hand it to you. Uh, back in the day, that wasn't, uh, they weren't able to do that. There was no printing press to, to put these up. You couldn't just go to the local Christian bookstore and get one. And so scribes spent years upon years writing out copies of the Bible. And so if they wanted to make one copy to another, they wouldn't just dictate and say, uh, for God so loved the world, and someone wrote, for God so loved the world. They wouldn't, even trans, or they wouldn't even copy it word for word. They would copy it letter by letter, the entire Bible, to make sure that because they thought the Bible was so important to get it right that they copied every single letter, uh, letter by letter, uh, from, uh, from the Hebrew uh, and from the, the Greek, letter by letter, trying to make sure that they are as accurate as can to preserve this sacred book. Now, we recognize there are, there are 39 books in this Old Covenant, uh, Old Testament, which were the, the Jewish scriptures, as I said, spoken of by Jesus as having authority. And there are 27 books in the New Testament, which... Um, or about, about Christ and, and the work that he's done and, and the work of the early church. The Roman Catholics, uh, they also uh, will, uh, will recognize the Apocrypha, which are some extra books at the end of the Old Testament. So if you ever see a, a Catholic Bible, you'll see that uh, there are some extra books in there. After Malachi, there's uh, a number of books in the Apocrypha which cover, uh, there's about 400 years in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the, many of these stories try to cover that time. Uh, but those who, even from the early time, who, who knew the work of Christ uh, and who had seen him work uh, have discounted many of these as saying they, they, they are not uh, consistent with, uh, with, with the canon or with this, this word of God. Um, there are some stories out there, like uh, there's books like uh, the, uh, uh, the book of Thomas and there are others that tell some, some crazy stories out there of, um, of Jesus as a child who... Um, was performing magic tricks for the other kids and, and showing his powers in that way. And there somewhere, uh, there's a story where uh, it says Jesus was, uh, was a little child and some other kids were making fun of him. And so he just, he zapped them with his, his finger and just showed the power and, and they were gone, they were dead. And so the other kids ran off and uh, wouldn't mess with him anymore. Um, I, I would tend to agree with these early scholars in uh, uh, the first 400 years or so and say that these these stories aren't consistent with the way, way Jesus or, or, or acted or didn't tell any of his... Um, uh, they're, they're not true to who, who God is and who Christ is in the rest of the New Testament or in, in all of uh, the Scriptures. And so it's important that we recognize the authority of these 66 books uh, as God's Word. Now, again, the Roman Catholic Church will actually say that authority is in the Scriptures and in the practices of the Church. The, uh, the traditions of the Church... Uh, are equal to, uh, uh, to God's Word. And we say as a Baptist church that our authority and our, our, our backing of all that we do needs to come only from the Word of God, not from our church history. And we've got a jagged history as it is, but not from our, our history or our practices. It's not about communion or baptism. It's not about different practices or things that we do. It's about solely basing our lives on the Word of God. And so we want to try to keep all of our teaching and our preaching not just in our own opinions or our own ideas, but by being faithful to, uh, to what is in the Scriptures. Um, now, uh, I've got one slide up here for you. This may bring you back to some of your Sunday school days. Uh, this is kind of some of how the, um, uh, the Bible is, is divided up. Uh, the 39 books in the Old Testament, there are five books of, of law. There are uh, 12 different books of, of history. 
some of those examples are um, uh, like Chronicles, which you, you kind of read through there and see all this genealogy and history. Uh, there are five major prophets and uh, 12 minor prophets. There's no difference in the work of the prophets. It's just the major prophets are called major prophets because they're very long. Uh, they're big books. And the minor prophets are called minor prophets because they're, they're small. So they're not insignificant prophets. They're just small books. So there are 12 of those. In the New Testament, there were the four, uh, four gospels written out. Now, we believe Mark was actually the first gospel written, uh, not Matthew. They're not in chronological order with this. Uh, they were all four living at the same time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and wrote these gospels. I believe Mark was probably the, the first. And uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. Now, you may hear that phrase from time to time. And what that simply means is the similar gospels. So they are very similar in their stories. They're very similar in their order of the stories. There's some differences in, uh, in the stories that they tell. And uh, some people have said, oh, there's, there's a lot of mistakes in the Bible because these stories don't line up, but they're not the same. And uh, the, the fact is these are three different uh, guys who saw the same things happen, and they tell different versions of that story or different, uh, different views of that story. Those of you who have been involved in any sort of investigation or you've tried to look at the thing, if you, if you have an accident out front here and you've got 20 people who have seen it, we're probably going to get 20 different stories of what happened and one person will say, oh, this car is speeding along. And they'll say, no, no, they were driving slowly and safe. Different versions. But when you put it all together, uh, you get a story of, of what really happened. And these synoptic gospels tell these, these same stories, or many of the same stories. They're not exactly the same, but many of the same stories. And they give us a beautiful picture of, uh, of who Christ is and how he worked. John tells some of the same stories, but a lot of unique stories. And so there are some stories like the woman at the well in John 4 that's only found in uh, the Gospel of John. And so there are some differences in there. So they call the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's one book of history in the book of Acts there. There are a lot of letters that, that Paul wrote. Uh, in fact, the majority of the New Testament. Uh, he wrote nine letters to different churches, and we find that, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of these. There are different letters that he wrote to his friends. These are often called the pastoral epistles because he's written them to different pastors and leaders of, of churches uh, like Timothy and, and Titus. And uh, there are some, some general letters uh, there as well, and we see them listed as, um, you know, Hebrew, James, Jude, and Revelation, and others. And so um, we've got some different divisions in there. But it's important to recognize that Although there's the two, di- the two different testaments, there's the two different covenants, there's 66 books, that's a lot of different things. It's like this whole library. Only the unique difference is, if you go to a library, you're going to find a lot of different books about a lot of different things. The reality of the Bible is, there's a lot of different books, there's some unique different branches of this, but it's all the same story. It works together to tell the story of God, and who God is, and what He wants to do in our lives, and the salvation that He wants to bring to all people. And so we want to recognize the authority uh, of God. Is that the, the Bible is God's revelation of himself. It's uh, the way that he tells the story of, of who he is and uh, his great love. This is, the Bible is not uh, a history book, although it contains a lot of history and a lot of very factual things in it. It's not just a storybook, although it contains a lot of great stories and incredible stories, uh, some that you'd be surprised to, to hear some that you may not hear very often in, in church or in Sunday school. Some great stories, but it's not just a storybook. It's not just a book about God, but uh, although the Old Testament and the New Testament show Him. The Bible is God's revelation of Himself, which simply means it's God's way of telling His story so that we could understand. 
its way of putting all of who God is. And we talked about how good He is and how great He is and how big He is. It's about putting all of that into words that we can understand and sharing to us the hope that we have in Christ. Now, theologians of the years have talked about revelation of God, and they talk about there's, there's general revelation, which is you can see God in nature, and you can see who He is. That's enough to reveal that, wow, there is a God, and I don't know who can't walk out under the starry sky at night and just not say that there's a God. Uh, God can reveal Himself through nature, and that's called general revelation. But also there's a specific revelation. We say God in His Word tells the, the true story of who He is, reveals Himself and His love and His grace for all people. Jesus Himself um, lived out that Word and, and lived out the, the gospel story, the good news of grace for all people. And uh, we, we want to recognize that um, uh, it is God's way of revealing Himself. And we want to recognize that the Bible is... is uh, is an infallible Word of God. It is, um, there are no faults uh, in, in the Scriptures because it completely reveals who God is and um, His plan of salvation for all people. God, it, God's Word is uh, not without some, some errors in there. There's, there are some historical um, challenges in there. There are some names of kings and things that, uh, that don't seem to line up. The Bible is never meant to be a, a book of history. It's a, a book of telling God's story and how things worked uh, for the people that were there. The story is about God and God's love for His people. And so I just want to end by this, saying why is the Bible important for us today? It's because it gives us a big picture of who God is and what He does. I mentioned uh, early on uh, in the first part of the series, every book of the Bible, each of these 66 books, have different names for God in it. And we say there's actually over 100 different names of God in the Bible. They each tell of different parts of God's character. And together, we get a picture of who God is and what He does and how He acts. We, uh, we know how, how God responds because of how He's responded. We know how God will respond and how He can respond because of how He has before. We can be comforted by God's promises because we know that He's forever faithful. He is always true to what He says He will do. It also gives us a big picture of God's redemption plan, uh, redemptive plan, because the, the, Jewish, the Jews had the Old Testament scriptures, the, the Jewish scriptures. They always knew that this promised Messiah was going to come, but they're still waiting on Him to come. They don't ever see uh, that that has happened. They, uh, they, they're waiting on this great military king to come and, and lead them back to power as God's chosen people. But in fact, the entire Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, actually reveal that, uh, that God did cho- choose... Israel is his special people, and he, but he chose them for a purpose, to share God with the other nations and to, to lift God up and to, to lead people to, to who God is. They failed to do that over and over again, and God continued to uh, allow any who, who came to him to be accepted as his family and, and his people uh, and his protected people who he will, will follow through with that covenant love. And uh, so the entire Bible is about God's story of reaching out to others and saying, you know, no matter where you are, no matter which uh, clan you, you uh, claim, no matter uh, which ethnicity you, you are uh, part of, no matter your culture, your background, if you choose God, he, His love and His grace is there for you. The big picture of, of God's plan for us is how important the, God's Word is. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, 
God, your word, I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. The Bible is meant to be a roadmap for our life and how to, how to guide us and how to live. Uh, God's uh, faithful to God and faithful and true to him. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God, you lead my directions. You guide me by your word. That being said, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the whole Bible. Uh, we looked a couple weeks ago at, uh, at John 11.35 is the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept, so if you learn that, you'll know. Uh, if, you, if you memorize that verse, you'll be doing well. If you memorize all of Psalm 119, then hats off to you. That's, that's congratulations. It's a, a long uh, chapter, but uh, I challenge you to read that. Some beautiful challenges, especially with the faithfulness of God's Word. Jesus himself said in Matthew 4, 4, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It is so important for us to know how to, to live in a way which is pleasing to us and to reveal to us who God is and how he is greatly to be praised, greatly to be followed, and we can trust him with our life. The scripture for today in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, especially verse 16 and 17, Paul says all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for, for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the man or the woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is our, our guide in our life. Hebrews uh, tells us this, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. We as the people of God need the word of God as our guide each day. Why? Because on our own, we so often get off track. We forget who God is. We forget what he can do. So often, we decide to live life our own way and not follow God, and we just mess things up and we get off the path. Reading God's word every day gives us a good foundation of recognizing who he is, reminding us of the strength, the strength and the, the awesomeness of the God that we serve and how he will be faithful to his promises every single time. We can trust him because we can see what he's done. And we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's love never fails. He is forever faithful. And we'll know that he'll be true to us today. It's also a guide for our life uh, to, say, to remind us to trust in God. To trust in him. To follow him with whatever challenges we have in our life. And we all have different challenges. We all have different things we have to face. And I want to say we have a God who's bigger any of them and we have a God that we can trust in all these situations and we need to be studying God's word we need to be challenged to read God's word because it's a guide for our lives to continually be putting our lives in his hands continually be trusting him uh, with the direction of our life and all how we can avoid so many errors if we simply trust and obey trust in him and follow him There's a, the old uh, song many of you know that simply ends, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus other than to trust and obey. And I think we, uh, we so often, we forget God's word and we just get off path. We forget to trust because we forget who he is. We forget to obey because we're not following his path, we're following our own path. And man, we just make a mess of things. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. He gives such an abundant life. Now, not a life free of worry, not a life free of problems, but a, a life of faithfulness, God's faithfulness and enduring love. Even in the midst of the fire, even in the midst of the heartache, you can have peace and security and hope because of who God is. I want to challenge you, read your Bible every day. I love going to people's houses and asking them for, uh, if, if they don't mind, if, 
if I can uh, read them some scripture, and I just ask if they have a Bible around. And some people, well, I know it's somewhere here, and they kind of get it, and it might be, uh, you know, shake the dust off or whatever it is, and, and read through that. I, I love um, going to people's houses because sometimes you can you can see so much about people's uh, their own journey with of faith by by looking at their Bibles. And I love now I'm, this doesn't have to be everyone, but I love when I I'm reading through some little old lady's Bible. And there's just places marked and there's things written on the side and there's things highlighted and there's pages that are just worn and, and falling out. And um, I've also been to people's houses that, that have a Bible and you kind of open it and it goes, you know, the, the binding is still just so tight and pages are still stuck together or whatever like they were. Well, you've got to rip the plastic off of it and open it up, whatever it is. And you can tell the difference, unfortunately, in, in their lives of the dear faithful lady who reads faithfully and trusts in God because the problems may still be the same, but the life that's handling those problems is entirely different because it's in God's hands, not in our own. I want to challenge you. Dust off the Bible. Open it up out of the plastic. Break the binding, whatever you have to take. uh, Download it, however you want to do it. Read the Bible every day. It's so important as a guideline for our life and as our church. Let's just pray. God, I just thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. And how, God, you have, you have written that from, from beginning to end and how you have preserved that through the generations to bring that to us in these, the 66 books all forming the one story of who you are and your amazing love, your amazing grace, your amazing redemptive plan for all who will trust in you. Thank you, God, for your mission of, of leading people to your amazing grace and love and of challenging us, God, with your faithfulness and with your, your love and your grace, with reminding us as we look through your word and your spirit teaches into our hearts, reminding us of your faithfulness and your love and who you are, our great and glorious God. And God, help us as we know more of who you are and see you working in our lives and we see how you have worked and so we can put our trust in you in different situations. God, help us to trust you with our lives, with the different situations that we face, with the challenges that we're forced up against. God, help us know that the same great, powerful God, you are here for us today. And God, help us to be a people faithful to your word. As your church, God, help us to know your word, help us to teach your word, help us to live your word that you be glorified, God, through us, that you work and that you serve through us, that you work and you heal and restore through our faithfulness to lift you up in who you are. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.